Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, Herstory Heroes, and welcome to another spoopy or possibly spooky episode of Whining About Herstory. Did you say spoopy? I did say spoopy. No, I said spoopy or spooky. Okay, I because I was like, oh, did she say spooky? Oh, she's going to say spooky. No, she said spoopy again. I'm pretty sure I said spooky. I don't know. This is a podcast where two longtime friends drink wine and chat about women from history you may not have heard of. Or maybe you have, but maybe you haven't heard all of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you smarties out there, there's always something you don't know. Right. Like how two Minnesota gals getting drunk sound talking about ladies from herstory. Exactly. It gets wild. <laughs> it does. And so, sometimes there's dogs scratching in the background like just happened. Yeah. They they really want to be a part of it. They're mm-hmm. empowered they're all women ladies. too. Yeah. They're all ladies. Yeah. Um, but. Who are you? I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. Well, I was just going to say, currently we're not doing women to emulate like we normally do. Yeah. Currently we're doing... Um, some Halloween gals, which are probably people you should not emulate or at, least, at all. <laughs> or at least you wouldn't want to be in their situations, a la last week with Kelly's witch going to Satan's sex island, which yes. didn't actually happen. No. Yeah. You know, may- maybe someone wants to go to si- Satan's sex island. We can't judge. Like I said, it actually you sounded just, like a good you time. You just don't. I know. Like, there was this pretty house and it was this big field. Satan it's just the, sound really it's, sexy. Right? <laughs> It's just the aftermath. I mean, at least everyone else got, like, you know, beheaded and then burned. But if you're that one chick that's just like, nah, we're just going to straight up burn you. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, please go listen to our last episode, Satan's Sex Island in a Series of Unfortunate Coincidences, or whatever I named it, (laughs) because it is a trip. It is. And a little bit sad. Mainly, actually, a lot of bit sad, but in in a spooky kind of way. Well, it's not going to get any better no. this week because we are in week three of our wicked women, our felonious females, our sad stories, our spoopy spins of tales. I thought you were going to do spoopy story- spinsters, and I, I was like, yeah, I don't. That's actually a good actually, one. Actually, no, my person was married. Oh well, maybe we'll do a spinster in here somewhere. Anyway, before we get started, we are going to talk about the wine we're drinking today, which I got to pick out. And again, I have been waiting to buy this wine. (laughs) Seriously, she's been like, since we started this podcast, the first thing out of her mouth was, I'm going to buy this type of wine or this brand of wine for our Halloween episodes. And we started like, what, like. Eight months ago now? I think we did our first recording in February. Yeah. Our first episode <laughs> went live on International Women's, Women's Day. Day in March. Yeah. So. so she's been thinking about this for a long time. Just, you know, I like to plan certain things in my life that are wine related. Everything else in my life just happens, but my wine is carefully chosen. Ooh. So... This week, we are drinking some 19 Crimes, (laughs) and I've never had this wine before. I always see it, but I'm like, no, it needs to be, like, a special occasion. The the stars must align. That's because somebody else bought it, especially, like, the Warden, which is their most expensive wine. Of course. Because, yeah, of course. But, yeah, so I've never bought it. So we are drinking the 19 Crimes 2017 Shiraz. This is our second Shiraz in our Halloween month. Yep. Yeah. The other one was kind of terrible, but this one's actually pretty good. Here's the thing. I like Shiraz. (laughs) I like Shiraz, especially with like a good burger or something. Right. 
this this one's okay this one's good to sip on it's better than the other one by far considering i only took like three sips of the other one because i thought it was (laughs) disgusting so uh i'm going to read the back of the label here uh so this was uh made in southeastern australia and it's perfect because all of the wines are themed after people who were transported to Australia for yeah. various crimes. Got, because Australia, if you didn't know, used to be a prison colony. Well, like a, They got commuted sentences, I think is what they used to call it, from England. And then they got a commuted sentence to, like, life imprisonment in Australia. I think, yeah, they were, like, transported. You know, and then you end up with the, the women, like I covered... Um, that follow the men to Australia. Yes, the queens of the Australian underworld. Yeah. I think that was part of the episode title. So if you want to hear about them, go, go find back. it. Those back away. Oh, it was our cemetery angel and the queens, queens of, of the, the Australian, Australian underworld. underworld. Because that's where I talked about Ruth Coker Burks. And yeah, we were just talking me about cry. before this episode. Yep. Okay. 19 crimes turned criminals into colonists. Upon conviction, British rogues guilty of at least one of the 19 crimes were sentenced to live in Australia rather than death. This punishment by transportation... Oh, that's what began in 1788, and many of the lawless died at sea. Bummer. For transportation back then was not good. It it was not a pleasure cruise. <laughs> it was it was more akin to that carnival cruise where like all the families started doing battle royale and yeah, killing exactly. each other. That's yeah. Fun. For the rough-hewn prisoners who made it to shore, a new world awaited. As prisoners in a frontier penal colony, penal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm twelve. They forged a new country and new lives, brick by brick. This wine celebrates the rules they broke and the culture they built. And this particular bottle features James Kiley. Is that right? I think so. He was Irish. So our buddy James Kiley was transported to Australia and actually played a part in the Catalpa rescue, which was basically a bunch of... uh prisoners convicts who were like fuck australia we're getting out and it didn't really go well uh he was convicted sent to western australia for life imprisonment however he was granted a pardon by the king in 1905 hmm Hmm. good for him well i think i think the crime was considered treason well and he was part of a irish brotherhood and so the british cops were just rounding up everyone who was a part of that and they were like to australia we're just moving ireland to australia yeah yeah because you know we're super racist against the irish i mean the americas were oh we're (laughs) we're we're not going into that moving on (laughs) that's a different podcast so, Kelly, you have a say their name for us I this week. I have a week. double say their name Ooh. for us this week. And I wonder if you've even heard about this. So my double say their name for this week are NASA astronauts Jessica Muir and Christina Koch, who uh, today actually conducted the first all-female spacewalk outside the International Space Station. Shut up! Really? Really. It started at 7.38 a.m. Eastern Time today. And lasted seven hours and 17 minutes, ending at 2.55 p.m. Eastern Time. It was successful, and it went well. And they were actually able to get ahead on some tasks while they were out there as well. They are getting it done, and they are getting it done so well! Yep, and it was it was really good. And I mean, it's kind of sad that it's taken this long for it to be a fir- the first all-female spacewalk. But um, I know NASA 
other astronauts are really hopeful that it'll like continue being a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's 1984 was the first woman to conduct a spacewalk, but this was the first all female spacewalk in general. There's always been a guy because it's always two people. Um, they were supposed to do it in March, but it got canceled. Polar vortex. Um, in no, space. it was something to do with like not enough spacesuits or spacesuits that didn't fit right, and it was actually um the other woman that was supposed to walk because it wasn't the same two. I think it was still Mir, but Koch wasn't the one up there. And the, the person that was up there has since went home. But, like, she didn't have a spacesuit that fit her right or something. And NASA's just kind of like, well, we can't, like, you know, we don't know how their weight is going to change while they're in space. So we, you know, we plan as best we can. But it was actually the astronaut that was like, no, I don't want to do this. Or, like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Yeah, I don't want to die because my spacesuit right. so doesn't it wasn't fit like right. NASA that was like... Oh, you're not going to do this. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought I'd give them a shout out. That's awesome. And actually, astronaut Stephanie Wilson was the voice of Mission Control during the all-female spacewalk. Aww. So Mission Control was also a woman at the time. That's so awesome. That's pretty sweet. And we've covered a few astronauts and women who were involved in space because you did, I think for episode two, Valentina Tereshkova, who's yep. the first woman in space. You did Katherine Johnson, who I was actually talking with my coworker about today, nice. her and Margaret Hamilton. Um, and then I covered Kalpana Chawla. Yeah. I Aww. still cry about that. <laughs> that was a hard one. Right. Hey, uh, we have not done our cheers yet. We, uh, well, I was going to say one more. Thing. Oh, I'm sorry. They've also narrowed it down to 12 female astronauts to go to the moon. Like, there, there's a selection of 12. Like, obviously, they're going to narrow it down further. But they've come up with 12 different female astronauts. And one of them will be the, a female going to the moon. See, I want it to be 12. And I want it to be 12 angry women. And I right? want it to be the most bitchin' space play. Yeah, that would be actually. 12 angry women on the moon. On the moon. The musical. The musical. Right. Jazz hands. We can do our cheers now. All right. Uh, so normally we do our cheers after we introduce the wine, but we missed a very crucial step and we cannot talk about women until we cheers. I already did. I think. Shut up. <laughs> I did too, but they don't have to know that. I think we should cheers to our bitchin' shirts. Yeah. We are wearing matching which way to the wine that, that with I discovered in Target. It's great. And we had to special order them and we like didn't order them correctly. So we're like, where are our shirts? Oh, oh shit. We finally got them. <laughs> but we got them and we're looking fine. Heck yeah. So check our Instagram for that picture. Cheers. Which way of the wine? I know which way. Into my mouth. Don't make me laugh. I'm drinking. <laughs> it's not going to end well, especially with our red wine. Oh, my God. I'm all, actually... All over this nice white... At least, it's actually, it's like glass top, but it's a nice white desk. I am really glad I'm not wearing my other sweater, because if I get wine on that, I will burn this house down. Please don't. I... Fe- you know, you know how we literally just talked about how rare female arsonists are, so please don't. <laughs> but I want to be one in a million. Burn the house next door now. <laughs> if I burn down a house, I probably won't get snackered on that Manhattans. Side. That side. And end up on drunk history. I still like Which snackered. is my dream. Yeah, but you have to bring me with you. Oh, of course. You just need <laughs> to pick what you're going to get snackered on. Probably also whiskey. All right, super quick before I dive into my lady, I just wanted to say, if you enjoy the podcast, if you're picking up what we're laying down... 
I want you to go and review us five stars wherever you listen. It is the easiest way to help our podcast get more visibility, get ranked higher on different podcast apps. Except for Spotify, because you can't rate people on Spotify, and that makes me angry. But you should follow us on Spotify. Eventually, they will, I think. They're building up their podcast stuff. But if you can rate and review us, please do. It's really helpful. Tell your friends about us. If you like wine, if you like women, we're the perfect podcast. I think we're pretty funny. So, And then please also follow us on social media, Whining About Herstory on Facebook, W-A-H-Pod on Instagram, and W-A-H underscore pod on Twitter. You bitch. You stole my Twitter. <laughs> Kelly always does the Twitter, but I'm just trying to wrap this up super well, quick. We also have a website, whiningaboutherstory.com, and our email address is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. So, you know, you can hit us up on there, too. Give us your recommendations. If you have a say their name, even if it's personal, we'll read it on air. We love you. We'll totally do that. So... Again, that is rate and review five stars. Hit us up on social media. Tell your friends and email us because we love you. We do. All right. Now, enough of the love and let's dive into some dark shit. <laughs> so I'm... Woo! <laughs> so I am really excited to cover my woman because she's very well known, but her story isn't. She's like a, become this like colloquial legend. I'm excited. So I am covering Mary Mallon, a.k.a. Typhoid Mary. So Mary Mallon was born on September 23rd, 1869. So she just had a birthday recently. Yay, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mary. Uh, she was born in a poor village in Northern Ireland. So fast forward to 1883 when a teenage Mary immigrated to the United States, settling in New York. So she's like, eh, I'm not doing too well in Ireland. I'm going to go to the U.S. where they say dreams can happen. Mary found work as a cook in the homes of wealthy families. Notably, in 1906, she worked as a cook for Charles Henry Warren and his family at their vacation home at Oyster Bay in Long Island. Not even at their main home. Their vacation Their vacation home. home in Oyster Bay. This place was where the upper crust summered. Most notably, this is where the Roosevelt spent every summer. So like two so like presidents upper, upper and crust. a president's wife chilled here every summer. Charles was an affluent politician, attorney, and general big shot. Charles had a big family, 11 people in total. Wow. Holy shit, his poor fucking wife. <laughs> Like, do you think they were just walking out, twirling a cane like she didn't even feel it anymore? <laughs> like, I've been there, done that. This is nothing. Right. After, like, four, she's just like, whatever. So along with their big family, they were also always hosting other affluent guests. So Mary kept busy with cooking lavish meals. She was known for her specialty, ice cream with peaches. They didn't it ask for much. It sounds delicious, though. They didn't ask for much But, like, back think then. about it. Like, hot summer, ice cream, and peach. Like, that sounds really good. Yeah. I remember <laughs> having, like, peach ice cream with, like, the frozen peaches when I was a yeah, kid. It just sounds really good. Okay. We're going to pause. We're going to go get some peach ice cream. And we're <laughs> we'll going to come back. back at you. Just kidding. We're not doing that. Unfortunately, that fall, disaster struck. Dun, dun, dun. Six of the Warren family members were struck with typhoid fever Holy and were shit. hospitalized. So in case you didn't know, typhoid sucks. Typhoid fever is a bacterial illness caused by Salmonella enterocyteus serotype typhi bacteria. No one actually gets a shit. <laughs> 
There's probably like one person that's like, excuse me, that's not how you say it. Um, and to you, I say, we're not doctors. <laughs> um, we're I'm nurses. a bacteriologist, and it's actually pronounced entirely different, and uh, you have ruined my immersion in this experience. Hey, if if you know better, tell us. We want to learn. But for the purposes of this, it's caused by bacteria and it fucks you up. It was commonly contracted through contaminated food and water thanks to unclean environments and poor waste management. Because back in the ni- early 1900s, everything was gross. Yeah. It it was so gross. It was grosser well than then. your cell phone, which is I, so gross. Never Google how gross your cell phone is because hands down your cell phone is the grossest thing in your house i know you take that to the bathroom with you everyone listening because i do it too how do you think i catch all the pokemon (laughs) on the toilet damn it (laughs) so since the bacteria passes through fecal matter the illness also quickly spread from person to person if carriers didn't practice proper hygiene because everyone is gross Symptoms include high fevers, aches and pains, headaches, diarrhea, and other severe forms of misery. Which, like, if it's a child and you're a parent taking care of your child, you're going to catch it because your child's having diarrhea. Yeah, and (laughs) children are super gross. I've worked with kids for 13 years. I can say they're gross. I know. It's still funny, though. Sufferers can also begin to feel better and then relapse, making the whole illness general hell. So you are shitting and puking and feeling miserable, and then you're like, I think I'm coming around. (laughs) 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 So... Uh, in the worst cases, typhoid fever could be deadly. You could vomit and shit yourself to oh, yeah, death. Yeah, you get so dehydrated. It's probably the dehydration that would kill you. Yeah. But, you know, you have a fever and oh, if yeah, that gets too high. And and again, medical care was not super great back then either. Right. At the time, there wasn't much understood about typhoid. In the 1880s, it was suspected that typhoid was caused by bacteria but there weren't great ways to treat it or prevent it. A vaccination wouldn't be developed until 1911, and there was no antibiotic treatment until 1948. So if you got typhoid before 1948... You were kind of just fucked? Yeah. I I mean, they developed the vaccine, so hopefully you weren't getting typhoid, but still. Typhoid fever ran rampant in the clustered tenements and and was seen as a poor person condition. Because, you know, the upper crust are able to stay more clean. They, they're they not living in close proximity to other gross people. Yeah. So it was something that was more, you know, the lower classes were experiencing on the regular. So that's why it was so unsettling when the wealthy Warren family came down with it. And that's also why the landlord of the Warren summer home hired sanitary engineer George Soper to discover the... I'm sorry, that is the best name for a sanitary engineer. The dude who is in charge of keeping things clean has the last name Soper. Like, his was parents- born for that job. His parents determined his destiny. They might as well have named him, like, Dish Soper, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so he was in charge of discovering the cause of the outbreak, and this was so the landlord could make sure that You know, it wasn't something with the house and he could sell it or lease it or do whatever he wanted to do. With a name like Soper, he must have been destined to become a sanitation engineer. Yes, Kelly, you are in my head and I love it. 
So basically, his job was to improve sanitation conditions throughout the city, and he was very familiar with his arch nemesis, typhoid. Dun, dun, dun. Soper began to investigate the plumbing, shellfish supply, and the staff and locked onto Mary, who had already found a new job. That wasn't particularly suspicious. Due to the contagious nature of typhoid, no one wanted to hang around a family who was sick with it, because obviously you don't want to catch it. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, that would be terrible. Yeah. But when Soper looked into Mary's past employment history, he discovered a disturbing trend. Since 1900, Mary had worked as a cook for six other families in New York. Many of the families had come down with typhoid. In one case, a laundress died from the disease. Soper would later write, quote, It was found that the family changed cooks on August 4th. This was about three weeks before the typhoid epidemic broke out. The new cook, Malin, remained in the family only a short time and left about three weeks after the outbreak occurred. Malin was described as an Irish woman, about 40 years of age, tall, heavy, single. (laughs) I think I found my new Tinder profile. (laughs) Tall, no, short, heavy, single. I wouldn't call you heavy, but okay. I wouldn't call me single either. Yeah, neither no. would my boyfriend. <laughs> I was just letting that one go. You know what I love about like doing this podcast? I find all these new great like Tinder profile right. captions. I'm, like, I'm never gonna have one. I'll never. I'll I'll never use it. She seemed in perfect health. End quote. He didn't say all that stuff about my Tinder profile. Just in case you were confused. So that was the weird thing. Mary was perfectly healthy, and no one reported that Mary had ever seemed ill. It was difficult to track Mary down. She would leave quickly after an outbreak and didn't leave a forwarding address. When Soper learned of an outbreak on Park Avenue, another she-she locale for those of you versed in Monopoly, he went to check it out and found Mary working as the cook. Two servants had to be hospitalized, and the family's young daughter died. Oh, no. Yeah, I remember. This is a sad story. This isn't me joking about a dude's last name and Tinder. Now, I don't know how all of this went down, but from what we know, I personally do not feel Soper handled things well. So when Soper went to Mary to confront her about killing people with typhoid, she adamantly denied it. And why wouldn't she? She was perfectly healthy. Then Soper asked for blood, urine, and stool samples. And again, Mary wow, refused. that's super fucking creepy. <laughs> okay, like, so I really I, hope he at least was like, hey, I'm from, like, the, the health department or whatever. You know, like, not just like, hey, can I have your blood, stool, and urine samples? Hey, um, you're killing a bunch of people? Also, give me all of your bodily fluids. <laughs> all of them. So she chased him away and Soper later wrote, quote, she seized a, seized a carving fork and advanced in my direction. So she grabs like a carving fork and she's like, GTFO, bitch, GTFO. Right. So let's unpack this as we kind of already have. Some random dude comes to your door, says, hey. Not even your door, the door of wherever you're working. Didn't didn't you say she went to her place of employment? Uh, he- I couldn't figure out if she was living with the family or if she had her own place. Okay. Some places it sounded like she had her own home. Others didn't. But basically, some dude comes to your door, wherever you're living, and says, Hey, so, like, you've been killing people because you're sick, even though you don't feel sick. 
also piss and shit into this cup and give me your blood. What would you do? Like I'd probably chase them out with a carving the knife. The fact she did not stab him is a miracle. Like, right? So Soper returned, this time with another doctor. Again, Mary told them to get the fuck out and chase them away. Finally, Soper returned a third time, packing heat. He enlisted the help of Dr. Sarah Josephine Baker. No, not that Josephine Baker. I mean, I know, because she wasn't a doctor, but still. Oh my god, your face. You got so excited. You're like, what? Was she wearing the banana skirt? Did she have Chiquita the cheetah with her? So Dr. Sarah was part of the New York City of Health. New York City of Health Department, and she was enlisted to help explain to Mary what was going on because clearly George Soper sucked at it. Yeah, right. He did not plus, communicate well. Plus, I'm sure, like, I would be more comfortable if some random dude showed up and there was a woman with him. Like, it's a comfort thing. Like, a guy coming up and being creepy and then a woman being like, no, no, there's a reasonable explanation. But then that's how they get you. <laughs> They're working in tandem. They're brothers in arms. Okay. So Mary confessed that she was convinced that the law was unjustly persecuting her when she hadn't done anything. And honestly, why would she think otherwise? Right. She's not sick. She feels fine. She's Some rando dude is like, hey, you're killing people. And she's like, excuse me? Well, yeah, because I'm sure back there, then being like, a carrier of a disease was not if i mean i'm sure it was still common but it probably wasn't like a common knowledge thing that that's something you can be i'm so glad you're bringing that up because we will get into that it's crazy it's cray totes my goats you need to leave my house now this is emily's last episode she (laughs) will be replaced by one of the pugs Are you trying to I do was the imitating pug snore? the bugs. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking and then love I choked. You. <laughs> oh my god. Then a few days after that, Dr. Not That Josephine Baker <laughs> ar- <laughs> arrived at Mary's workplace. You just started with that. <laughs> I should have. But I wanted like the awe to settle in on you. And I wish I had been recording your face because you were just like, oh, what? Like this beautiful Herstory crossover moment. Um, so Dr. Baker arrived at Mary's workplace with police officers See, who workplace <laughs> who took Mary into custody after she had evaded them for five hours and she was forcibly quarantined. So this doctor shows up with a bunch of cops. They chase Mary around for five hours before finally ar- like arresting her and quarantining her. Upon testing her piss, shit, and blood. Which I'm sure she was very unhappy was about. So eloquent, Emily. yes, yes. Didn't you know this is the eloquent podcast? <laughs> two ladies from Minnesota sip on wine and talk about women from history you may not have heard of. Hmm. And we twirl our mustaches <laughs> because women can have mustaches. And there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Mine's name is Archibald. I like that. Yeah, that's definitely why we name a mustache. I'm trying to. Th- no, okay, that was Cuthbert. Cuthbert? I was like, I was like, what was the name of the fake leg? Cuthbert. Virginia Hall's fake leg Cuthbert. was named Cuthbert, and it was the coolest thing. And the military told them, told her, if Cuthbert gives you troubles, eliminate him because they didn't realize it was her fake leg. Yes, that is my favorite thing about that story. I mean, she was a badass, but I like that part. Anyway, sidetrack. So basically, 
Mary could spread typhoid, but didn't experience any of the symptoms. We know now this was due to the bacteria hiding in the carrier's macrophages, which was a type of immune cell. Are you really excited? Do you know what macrophages are? Okay. I actually was proud. I was literally like like, just talking about like the carrier thing. And so I'm like, ah. (laughs) See, and I knew how to pronounce macrophages. I'm so proud of you. So I was very proud. This is a good day. Until we get to my story. (laughs) It's (laughs) going to get bad. The odd thing was that the food Mary prepared shouldn't have gotten anyone sick. Cooking the food would have killed the bacteria. However, her famous peaches and ice cream dessert served as the perfect vehicle to infect unsuspecting ice cream lovers. So I'm really glad we didn't go get peach ice cream because we would be fucked right now. Is type is the typhoid vaccine? Do you think that's a regular one you get when you're a kid? I don't know. It should be because I don't want to like mean, vomit it and get could, diarrhea. It could be one of those that's like basically died out now. Like I don't even, maybe they don't even give the vaccine anymore. Maybe I'll actually get into that too. Up. In 1908, she was dubbed Typhoid Mary by the Journal of the American Medical Association, and a textbook published later also used the title Typhoid Mary when talking about the illness. Mary later admitted that she didn't understand the importance of washing her hands if she wasn't sick, which here's the thing. Back then, that makes perfect sense. We know now that bacteria doesn't... It's, it's always on you and you always need to wash your hands constantly. But it's like, well, I'm not sick. I'm not going to get anyone sick if I'm not sick. Can I answer your question now? What was my question? Do we still receive typhoid vaccines? Yes. No. We don't? You do if you are traveling internationally. Specifically, if you're going to smaller cities and rural areas and it's even higher, high, higher recommended. Higher, highly, more highly, whatever, um, to regions with drug resistant typhoid, such as large portions of Asia and Africa. But if you're living in a developed country, like if you're born in a developed country, you're not like given it at birth, but you you can get it six years and older. So Um, we could all get typhoid right now. No, like you can get the vaccine at six years and older. We get the vac, so we got no, the we vaccine. Could. Okay, but I'm saying yes, we, we did could. it. None of us got it. <laughs> that actually is really interesting, and that plays into some stuff I'm going to talk about later. Apparently, anorexia is also a symptom. Oh shit! That's, that's what this website says. Well, you can't keep anything down. You just fade away. Also, someone's here. If you can hear the dogs barking in the background, they they want their they're, fucking typhoid back. Like, I don't want typhoid, bitches. <laughs> It says, okay, sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna read something interrupting your story. Please share. It says, typhoid fever can be up, fatal in up to 10% of cases. There has been an in- increase in the number of drug-resistant strains of Salmonella typhi since 1989. Unfortunately, drug resistance is spreading worldwide due to overcrowding, poor sanitation, inadequate, inadequate control of infections, and extensive international travel, trade, and population movements. Humans are the sole host of this bacteria, which is shed in feces from six weeks to three months after infections. Gross. Yeah. And then there's there's two vaccines. There's a pill and an injectable. The pill offers five years of protection. Um, You take it orally over four doses and the vaccine is only good for two years. Way to have me like paranoid about getting typhoid fever now. Welcome to the Women's History Podcast that makes you afraid of dying. <laughs> Welcome to hypochondria 
Hypochondriacs. His herstory. Hypochondriacs herstory. All right, so Mary didn't understand the importance of washing her hands if she wasn't sick. Doctors considered removing Mary's gallbladder because they thought that's where the bacteria camped out. Mary still refused to acknowledge she was a carrier and only wanted to go back to work. It didn't help because everyone did a very bad job of explaining what it meant to be an asymptomatic carrier. And that's what she was. She carried the disease, the illness. She could spread it, but she didn't feel any of the effects. It's like men and chlamydia. Men don't experience chlamydia? I think they're more likely to be a carrier than they are to have symptoms. I am learning so many horrifying things today that I was not prepared for. <laughs> At least I think it's chlamydia. It's Welcome one, to the one chlamydia of, podcast. One of the S- uh, STDs is... I wish I wouldn't have Googled this now. Did you Google chlamydia? Yeah. Oh, honey. Like, I knew what chlamydia was, but, like, the first, like, paragraph is about, like, where you can get infected. And, like, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Anyways, how about we just continue with your story if you want to learn more about chlamydia please visit your local library yeah or google determining but like google like chlamydia mayo clinic or some other like respected source so you don't immediately get bombarded with a bunch of horrible photos yeah luckily no photos popped up except for like some guy at a urinal but like you can't see anything it's like because because it says some some have painful urination but most have no symptoms that's scary that chlamydia has no symptoms. That's like herpes, too, though. Well, you herpes don't are always dormant. Show it. And yeah, but then, then you're also not, um, you can't infect other people when you're not. Yeah, but most mo- most people do actually have herpes yes. and n- don't know it. Because, well, it's because there's so many forms of herpes, too, because like cold sores are herpes. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like. We're like. <laughs> razor burn can look like herpes. Like, you don't uh, fucking know. You can get it from wrestling. From, yeah, like wrestling mats. There have been times when I was a wrestling cheerleader. I never got it <laughs> I because like, I never touched the fucking mat. Here's how Kelly got herpes. Um, <laughs> but like people would get it like on their backs be- from the mats. Mm-hmm. And so they'd have to be like, hey, there's an outbreak of herpes at, you know, wrestling matches. XYZ so to, Elementary. You know, no. So we have to. No, it was in high no. school. <laughs> so, you know, so we have to cancel the matches and get like everything like fucking deep clean we need to nuke this room we need to nuke these mats okay we're talking about typhoid mary here i don't know how this turned into an std education podcast determining she was a risk to those around her mary was forcibly quarantined in a clinic on north brother island and i'm not going to get into the history of that island but it is basically everything it's been used for is sad depressing and terrible which makes it great for a ghost hunt. Yeah, it does. Mary would not take this lying down, however. She sued the health department in 1909. Unfortunately, she lost and remained on North Brother Island for three years. The doctors tried to treat her with laxatives, yeast, and other remedies that I can't even imagine in the early 1900s. But Mary continued to test positive for typhoid. Wow. So they did try to treat her because right. I'm they sure just, they don't they want her did, hanging like, around. A really shitty version of explaining it to her. Yeah. After three years, a new health commissioner determined that indefinitely imprisoning Mary wasn't entirely fair. Hmm. hmm. I wonder why. He decided to release her as long as she promised not to work as a cook anymore. Mary agreed and was released. 
end of story, right? This is no. a horrible thing horrible. that happened to someone. It was kind of fucked up. But I got another page. Four years later, there was an outbreak at a sanatorium on Newfoundland in Newfoundland, New Jersey. Then Sloan Maternity, a hospital for women in Manhattan, New York, saw a sudden outbreak of typhoid. At least 25 nurses, doctors, and other staff members were infected and two people died. The both outbreaks were traced back to new hires by the name of Mary Brown. Mary's a super common name. Right? Well, it's kind of like Sarah. Totally. Everyone knows a Sarah. Everyone knows a Mary. They're just everywhere. They pop up like daisies. Mary Mallon had returned to work under a pseudonym, and when she was found out, she was again forcibly quarantined on North Brother Island. This time, she wouldn't be leaving. No. I'd be like, I'm sorry, but if you don't, like, listen to us... Well, and the tough thing is she didn't believe them. She thought that they were just going after her. Because here, okay, here's the thing. You're not sick. Someone comes to you and says, you're sick and you're killing people. Fuck you. No, you're testing positive. I don't trust you, so I don't trust your test results. And also, she's a poor immigrant who's just trying to get by. And all of a sudden, these government officials are like... Rah, rah, rah. I'd, I'd feel very victimized. Right, I would too. And it, again, it sounds like they did a really bad job of handling this in general. Mary re- remained detained on North Brother Island for the next 23 years. Holy shit. Is there at least stuff to do there? You know, some shuffleboard, some checkers. Did Satan show up every once in a while? Getting treated with yeast. She she got her yearly two weeks off to go to Satan's sex island okay, good, and, good. you know, got a fruity drink and... A nice little floral shirt. Chilled in some hammocks with a bunch of other cool witchy ladies. Right. In 1930. Not allowed to touch the food. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't allowed to prepare the food if it wasn't cooked. But this is Satan's sex island. So everything is on fire. In 1932, Mary suffered a paralytic stroke. Oh. And six years later, on November 11th, which is coming up. Which sucks, because that means for six years, she was probably some form of paralyzed. I literally say in here, in case you're wondering, yes, a paralytic stroke means the stroke paralyzed her. So, yes. So, on November 11th, 1938, she died of pneumonia. Because it's like, you know, someone quarantined on that. You know they're not getting good treatment. Yeah. North Brother Island sucks. It is gross. Everything it's that's kind of happened like there in, is bad. Insane asylum, you know, yeah. like, where they just kind of like put you there and then were like, meh. They they didn't want to deal with her, exactly. and they didn't know how to either. She was sixty nine years old, yeah. and oh. for that year, like that's decently young. Yeah, well, and it's because she's spending her whole life just doing nothing, qu- quarantine yeah. on this shitty island. An autopsy revealed living typhoid bacteria in her gallbladder. However, Soper wrote that there was no autopsy to prevent the public from getting all whipped up about the discovery. Mary was cremated and buried at St. Raymond Sarah's Cemetery? It's the wine. Sarah's seems to hit hard. Even the last one did, I think if I stand up, I might fall over. Like, I think it's going to be one of those where I'm like, no, I'm a little buzzed. Oh, shit. Like, when you stand up. She does that after, like, every other episode, maybe. There there was an episode. The whites are lesser than the 
reds. Yeah. The reds seem to hit a little harder. There was an episode we had to do two bottles in one night, and I was feeling totally fine. I'm, like, sipping on what's left of one of the bottles. Did I you s- cut me me saying that out of the episode? Because I did mention it. I th- I probably did, but You're I like, stood no up. No one needs to know that. I stood up and I was like, I, thought, I literally oh, thought shit. she was going to fall over. <laughs> that was two wines in a row that I didn't like, so I was yeah. like, not even plus. I was just kind of like sipping because it was there, you know, when you snack on chips. Right. Okay, so she was buried at St. Raymond's Cemetery, cemetery in the Bronx. Her grave reads, Jesus mercy. It looks like it's been updated. I looked up a picture of the grave because I was very curious and it looks new and like nice. Jesus comma mercy nope. or just Jesus mercy? Nope. That is a really weird thing to put on a tombstone. Commas are like 20 bucks extra though with the carving. Like you pay by the character. I'll bring a chisel when we go <laughs> on our tour and I will our history pilgrimage. Our comma into our t- tombstone. But it sounds like this is exasperated like Jesus mercy. <laughs> Right. Like, <laughs> goddamn like, woman, why didn't you pay attention to us? Uh, so, legacy. During her life and beyond, Mary Mellon has had an infamous reputation. A newspaper at the time published an illustration during Mary's first imprisonment that depicted a woman dropping human skulls into a skillet like eggs. So she's like serving up death. Wow. There were posters warning others not to act like a typhoid Mary, and that nickname has become synonymous with someone who spreads disease. And also, fun little side note for all you cool nerds out there, typhoid Mary is the name of a Marvel comic villain, and she's like a bitchin' assassin. I think she's like mainly in the Daredevil universe, but she's tangled with a bunch of people. However, the narrative of a reckless, disease-carrying immigrant, surprise, surprise, is not entirely accurate. Right. She was just someone who wanted to work. When it was first discovered that Mary was an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid, she was an anomaly. However, by the time she was imprisoned uh, the second time, there were thousands across the United States that were identified. Today, approximately 6% of people who have been infected with typhoid, which is still common in developing nations, as we were discussing... Totally off the cuff, but 100% relevant. Become asymptomatic carriers. Because then I'm like, I need to know, so I need to Google it. Thank God for Google. But so 6% of people who get typhoid become asymptomatic carriers. In the end, the public health department and Mary were faced with something they were not equipped to handle. Right. Everyone was just kind of like, uh. Because Mary had no idea what was going on. These people were telling her, hey, you're killing people, which I wouldn't want to fucking believe that either. Right. I wouldn't trust a bunch of rando officials being like, so you're sick. No, I'm not. And then they so didn't know like how to deal with her either. Someone came up to me and were like, you were sick. And I'm like, are you talking mentally? Because yeah, yeah, I am. Well, you're not my therapist, so I don't see how that's any of your business, <laughs> bitch. Oh, but that's then- when they go, we talk to your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> But then the public health department didn't know how to deal with someone who was making people sick. And because Mary didn't see the need to wash her hands or believe that she was sick, she kept infecting people. And it was this, they were butting heads in the worst way possible. But Mary and the people who got sick ended up paying the price for it. Even today, we face these issues and we don't always handle them the best. 
most more recently, uh, when health workers returned from West Africa during the Ebola outbreak, they were also involuntarily quarantined, mm-hmm. showing us we still aren't prepared to handle these issues. Because they came back and they're like, uh, you're forcibly quarantined. And it was actually seen as, upon like 2020, ineffective. Which is the whole point of quarantining someone, but also unconstitutional. They were like, imp- like locking people away, like, or you can't leave your house, or you can't do this because you might be. Ugh. And I get it because disease is scary. It's something that it can kill you, and you don't really have a great way of fighting it. It kind of brings out that innate fear in all of us of getting sick and not getting better. At the end of the day, the. S- story of one of America's most notorious villains is really that of a poor immigrant just trying to get by in a world that didn't have the understanding or compassion to cope with her illness. I'm really sad now. You should I'm also be. like super fucking warm. I don't know if it's the wine or this room. A little bit. Of it, we also have the lights on for some reason. All right. First, before I start my woman, I'm going to pour myself a little extra wine because Seth Michaels from Host or the host of History Uncensored podcast um, said to drink some wine for him. So this is for you, Seth. Do you want a little extra? Nah, I'm good. I still got like half a glass. She has to drive. Well, I no, I don't. Oh, I got, well, a got a ride. But the thing is, when you do the story first, you, you don't have a ton of time. Cheers to Seth. And if you want to check him out, you can find him uh, at Uncensored History. He does a podcast about all things history. He does cover some history heroes, which are really cool. But he goes really in depth. He's really well educated. He does right. a really good job of telling the it's stories. Really, it's really good. So if you want the information with maybe less of the drunk bitches, definitely check him out. Yeah. But also check us out because drunk bitches are fun. You know, both. Yes. You, both. you need both. Both is both good. Both is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Road to El Dorado. Best movie ever. Cheers. All right. We forgot to cheers, and now we've cheers like three times. I'm loving it. The wine. Okay. So, I know Spanish-ish. I-ish know Spanish. Um, So, hopefully, I can actually nail these pronunciations. I believe in you. We'll see. We'll see how much the wine plays tricks with my tongues. Is that why you're such a good kisser? You got, like, three tongues? You know, like, the split tongue? My tattoo artist actually has a split tongue. It's pretty sweet. This is weird. It freaks me out that they can, like, move them separately. Like, that, but... I guess it makes sense. I've always kind of wanted to French someone with a split uh, I tongue know. because I'm just really curious. I, it's, uh, I know. It's, it's not like a turn with, on. Like, a lip ring or even like a tongue stud. I'm just like, I just want to know what it feels like. See, those two I don't because piercings like. Piercings don't bother me. I, I worry about like getting caught on something. See, like the tongue, like my the ring. tongue stud are like our balls. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's less likely to get caught on yeah. stuff. Well, as I long as it. you don't have tongue stud. Oh, that's okay. an embarrassing gonna, trip a, to the ER. Yeah, right. It's like when your braces get stuck together. Uh, I never. I've had never that had that situation, but they talk about it in movies all yeah. the time. Have you ever heard the stories of someone like a man and a woman are having sex, and his Prince Albert piercing gets stuck to her IUD? I haven't heard IUD, but in an episode of Grey's Anatomy, it's like this older divorced couple's like still seeing each other, even though one of them's remarried. And yeah, they have sex and he has a Prince Albert piercing and it gets, I don't remember what it gets caught on, but something it gets it, caught on something and they have to go to yeah. the ER and their daughter comes in and she's like, oh my God. Yeah, that's where you just. Because you can like see the x-ray because they're trying to like get them unstuck from me. Oh God, it was. 
It was bad. I know oh. someone that has all that piercing. I'm going to tightly cross my legs and let you yep. tell your story now. I mean, at least mine doesn't have anything to do with it. I that. feel gross. All right. So I'm covering Juana de Anara, which is a great name. Um, Barraza. That's her. Oh, Samperio. She has a, I forgot her other last name. So Juana de Anara Barraza Samperio. She makes you say it. Yep. <laughs> I respect that. And well, that's hopefully. About all I'm going to respect, I I suspect. Probably. I mean, there may be like one other thing. Juana um, was born in rural Hidalgo, Mexico in 1957. Her parents were Trinidad Barraza, a police officer, and Justice Imperio, an alcoholic prostitute. Wow. Yep. Sex worker. Yep. Two different... Sorry. And- Sorry. Nope, that's fine. Um... I just want to try to have us use the correct terminology yep. when we when we can and when we're sober enough to remember. Two different ends of the spectrum there, though. How does that work? Yeah, it didn't. Did um, they meet on because, his? Did they meet on the job? Yeah, Was maybe. it like this? Well, you know, pe- people say you meet, you find love where you work. Well, look where I work. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Oh, Three fuck. months after Juana's birth, uh, Justa abandoned her husband to begin an adulterous relationship with Refugio Sampirio. That's a bummer. A married man who also... Oh, a married man who was just a stepfather. So this woman has left her husband and is now sleeping with her own stepfather. Ew! Um, and would become Juana's father figure. Okay. Yep. She's I had to sleeping. reread that sentence. So she left her husband Kay. to begin an adulterous relationship with her stepfather. Who was legit her father figure. No- no, that became her Juana, her daughter's father figure. Oh, the mom. The mom. Juana's mom. Left her left husband. The cop for a married dude who, who then her, became. No, no. Who is her stepfather? He left the cop <laughs> to begin an adulterous relationship with her own stepfather. That is. I don't care how many, how many ways we unpack this. That is fucking gross like i mean yes there's no blood relation i don't i don't care. give a shit i don't especially when they're care. still married to your mother Ugh. oh that's right oh yeah you know you know wana had that class assignment that we all did where she had to draw family her family tree. tree and she was like i don't even fucking know like just lines set this piece everywhere of, just set this piece of paper on fire i'll take the f i cannot fucking do this right um oh it gets worse as a child wana never learned to read and had a ro- rocky relationship with her mother to whom she barely spoke um to it the mother, because the mother barely spoke to her in her, her infancy. So, like, as she grew up, she didn't really have a close relationship with her mother. Yeah, it's and, hard to have a close relationship when, when your, your mom won't look or speak, speak to, to you. you. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse. I'm just going to continuously say that. Yeah, I, I'm going to stop of, saying things are bad because it's just At not. the age of 12, Juana's mother pimped her out for the first time oh. to a man named Jose Lugo in return for three beers. Fucking stop. Lugo would abuse Juana for four years, impregnating her t- in- impregnating her twice when she was 13 and when she was 16. Oh, Both my pregnancies God. resulted in miscarriages. Trigger warning. Sorry. Trigger warnings <laughs> everywhere. I think oh it's a little late. God. We'll have to go back and put it, the Here's the thing. In. It's only going to get worse. So trigger warnings um, abound. 
Not like in that respect. It's still going to get bad. Just um, Juana finally left Mexico City after her mother died of cirrhosis. I mean, honestly, I would have just left her mom because she sounds like a bitch. I'm kind of glad she died of cirrhosis. She's, you know, I'm sorry, pimping her daughter Three out beers. for booze. Three that's not even like a lot of booze. I mean, you should never do that anyways. But three fucking beers. That's going to last you, what, like 20 minutes? You're not even going to get buzzed. Well, and here's the thing. That's, yeah, if you're an alcoholic. That shows how little she cared about her exactly. daughter. It was like, um, I'm going to pimp out my daughter for a candy bar. Ew. Oh, sorry. She didn't leave Mexico City. She left for Mexico City. Okay. Because she lived in Hidalgo, Mexico. She's getting the fuck so out. So in Mexico City, she underwent several fa- failed marriages from which she ended up having four children. Um, later, her firstborn died in a gang shooting when he was only 24 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. So during the 1980s and 1990s, Juana held a variety of different jobs and toured central Mexico as a masked wrestler named La Dama del Silencio, or the Lady of Silence. That's fucking right. awesome. And okay. Okay. Yeah, see, I was we're, like, there might be one thing you'll respect We're about riding me. the roller coaster yeah, back <laughs> up, getting ready for the drop, um, but we're having fun. She chose that alias in reference to her own shy, silent personality. In 1995, yeah, this is this, <laughs> this is a mini drop. In 1995, short on cash, after the birth of her fourth child, she began to steal items from shops and later in, evolved into burglarizing homes. In 1996, she hatched a plan with a friend, Araceli Tapia Martinez, to steal from the elderly. Oh, no. The two dressed in white clothes and pretended to be nurses in order to gain access to the homes of elderly people living alone, robbing them once they were inside. However, Tapia was also in a relationship with a corrupt federal police officer. She's got connections. Um, Moises Flores Dominguez. And they they concocted a parallel plan to extort or extortionate. That was the word used in the article, so I included it here, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like extort. There's your fun word of the day. Extortionate. Extortionate. Um, Wanna. It's the secret word. Ah! <laughs> uh, f- uh, so Flores, the cop, w- um, ran into Wana after a burglary that she had committed alone, and he demanded, tw- demanded 12,000 pesos in return for not arresting her. Shit. You know, she really had no choice. So she, she ended up giving that to him. And then in 2000, she retired from wrestling where she had earned only 300 to 500 pesos a night. And her situation became even more desperate because while she was wrestling, her situation was desperate. Yeah. And now that she's not wrestling, her situation is even more desperate. Obvs. Well, yeah. An entire, even if it's a meager income, an entire line of income is just gone. So during this time, brutal myrtle. Myrtles. Brutal myrtles were <laughs> rampaging the countryside in droves. Kind of like the opposite, actually. They all had toilet seats around their necks oh, and they were moaning. And okay. I thought we were just going myrtle as in like old person. And oh. I was like, mm, he's a granny gang. Um, brutal myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> fucking line. Brutal murders. There you go. Of elderly people. In Mexico City began to increase in 1998, fueling press speculation about the existence of a serial killer named El Mata Vejitas, which note the use of the L in Spanish that indicates male. So they're thinking it's a male perpetrator. So Mata Vejias? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look up what that meant. Okay. <laughs> bad dude. Bad it means bad dude. dude. Um, no, I think it means like 
little old lady killer or something. I'm going to look it up while you talk. You can Google. I can Google. This is the Google episode. Yeah. Google sponsor us. Spell it. So at the time, Mexico City police denied any connection between the crimes and a number of people were imprisoned for some of the murders. Juana's first victim was Maria de la Luz Gonzalez Anaya, who was killed November 25th, 2002. Once in her apartment, um, Maria made comments that Juana considered derogatory. Juana was infuriated by this and beat Maria before fatally strangling her with her bare hands. Juana did not kill again for three months, and she might have been inspired to kill again by existing stories about the Mata Vijitas rather than inspiring them herself. So she kind of let the legend grow before she continued murdering. I just spit on my computer screen. It's real. I'm getting so into it. I'm spitting on my computer screen. You're very passionate. So Juana was very almost unusually methodical about choosing her victims. She somehow acquired a list of women who were on government assistance and then went after them, basically, because she would go in to particularly women on this list that were who lived alone, and she would use fake credentials to tell them that she was a nurse sent by the government to check on them, to do, like, a welfare check. That is fucking diabolical. Right? Okay, so my lady didn't trust the government... Her victims are like, oh, yeah, the government's here to help me. That's totally cool. Right. Exactly. Fuck. Um, however, by the time she left, her victims had no vital signs. Oh, God, that's just so crazy. Like, they must have just been so old. By November 5th, 2003, police had enough evidence and witness testimonies to believe that the serial killer, to believe a serial killer was involved. This is almost a year later. And that it was a tall person with rough factions who was posing as a city council nurse or social worker to gain the victim's trust. However, the police were reluctant to make this public because the Mata Vajitas had become a weapon in fighting between Mexico's federal government and the capital city council. Because the federal government was controlled by PAN, which I believe... I don't know what PAN was... Um, and the other one was controlled by the PRD. One's the media and one's like the military. Okay. Less, like the police. But they're using this as a political tool to be yeah, like, I'm you're gonna, not I'm, figuring yeah, I'm gonna it out. I'm going to basically explain you. it. Um, okay. So basically when the next mayoral candidate became the candidate for the Mexican president election, who um, was part of PRD, so that's the city council, um, Pan, the other group, attacked him saying that violent crime had increased during his term and he recently implemented a public health care plan for residents over 70, which was blamed for the killings because, in their opinion, the murderer was a nurse. So he's trying to help old people and they're like, fuck you for trying You're to killing help old people. people because people are taking advantage of it and they're lunatics. By the way, I couldn't find a direct translation, but it sounds like Mata Fijita means old lady killer. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. I'm pretty sure it says later something about that prd so the the government uh, the yeah the, the what is the word a political group <laughs> that's the word i was looking for um in turn denied that the mahatavitas existed and accused pan related media of sensationalizing the stories so they're basically like hey people get old and they die and just because we had like a bad year Right. Of old lady deaths, and you're saying there's something sinister going on. There's totes not. Exactly. And so they're basically just going back and forth. Um, in December, the police released a wanted poster with two eyewitness sketches of the Mata, Mata, 
vihetas. I'm going to have to say that so much. Mata Yeah. One more feminine and another more masculine looking, but the sketches were labeled as persons of interest only and there was no mention of their clothing. It wasn't until the following year that police finally admitted to the existence of a serial killer. So the police kind of keep going back and forth. Like, yeah, there's a serial killer, but we're not going to tell the public about it. Maybe there's not a serial killer. Okay, there's definitely a serial killer, but we're still not going to tell the public about it. And then finally, hey guys... There's a serial killer. There's been one for like two years. Right. <laughs> also, we're not going to tell elderly women to maybe not let in strangers. Right, exactly. Police, obviously, who were following the case themselves, had their own theory on who the killer was and what was driving him. So again, at this point, they're still thinking him. Honestly, I would probably think that too, because yeah. most serial killers Hard are male. male. According to criminologists, the killer was most likely a man with, quote, confused sexual identity who had been abused as a child. Well, because people said they saw him wearing female clothing. Yeah. Um, who had been abused. Well, the only I explanation know. is that it's a dude wearing women's clothes. There's no right. way it's a lady. Um, the killer, most likely a man, had confused sexual identity who had been abused as a child by an elderly relative. The killings were a way of channeling his res- resentment toward innocent victims who stood in for the person who had abused them. So they did get the psychology behind it correct. Yeah. But not who the person was. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I wonder if she was preying on women because they were easier because she was abused by men. Like if she was killing her a bunch mother of- was oh, the one that sold her out. That's right. She's the root of all evil. Yeah. Fuck. Always-, always blame your mom. No, my mother's a lovely person. I love my mom, um, too. So I can blame my mom, but it's going to be for good shit. It mom, may- how dare you make me a well-rounded, functional human being? How dare you? I am offended. <laughs> In mid-2005, Juana began a relationship with taxi driver Jose Francisco Torres Herrera, alias El Frijol, or The Bean. I thought you were going to say Frijoles. <laughs> Holy Frijoles! <laughs> But seriously, it means the bean. That's a it's, that's a fun little nickname. It's the male for the bean because if you did la freehold, yeah, it would be it would still be the bean, but it would be the the, the lady bean, the female. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, we've we've covered all sexual organs at this point. Let's uh, continue. I want everyone to know uh, that was a complete accident. I know. <laughs> I saw it on your face when you like realized what you had said. Was, I'm 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 leaning it into it. It was a beautiful moment. The lady bean. <laughs> um that's our new clothing line instead of LL bean we're going to be the, the lady bean. bean. Oh, the lady bean. Okay. Um so he became her accomplice um and the attacks increased in range and frequency. Um the murders the times of the murders also changed during this time from daytime to nighttime killings. Because she was chilling with the bean during the day, and I she's ass- like, oh. I assume, I don't know. She's very organized. She knows how to prioritize. I mean, she was like, she like was like I said, super meticulous about choosing her victims. Yeah, the killing of eighty-two-year-old Carmen Camilla Gonzalez Miguel. Jeez, all these people. I read into the history of why, like, it was in one of the articles. The people have such long names because their first name is their middle name, and then it's their, it's either their father's name, and then there's mo- their mother's name, or. Their mother's name, then their yeah, father's name. Yeah, one of the name. two. Yeah. And usually, like, in daily company, they would just go by their first name and their last name, like we do. Yeah. But it's important to say people's full names, yeah. and we respect it, but we are winded. Right. So the killing of 82 of Carmen on September 28, 2005, kind of sparked a little fire under the police. 
because she was um, the mother of a prominent Mexican criminologist named oh. Luis Rafael Morena Gonzalez. And so, you know, that kind of like spurred the police on to being like, oh, you know, oh, shit. This I'm affects sh- us. <laughs> because I'm sure like, you know, he was like, dudes, they went after my mom. Like, you know, get your shit together. Put yep. it in a bag. Get it together. Mm-hmm. And let's go. Yeah. Roll strap out. in and strap on. Strap in, strap on. We're catching a serial killer, right. mofos. Um, so they launched a special operation unit under the name of Operacion Parques y Gardinis, which is Operations Parks and Gardens. That I sounds... don't know why they named it that, but I kind of like it. That sounds like the alternative title to Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> Operation Parks and Gardens. Aw, that's like the, the foreign spinoff. <laughs> right. Officer patrol uh, patrols in the area where the killer had been active were increased. Pamphlets advertising that the elderly be wary of strangers were distributed, along with some new sketches. And the police even paid elderly women to act as bait. So they'd have them, like, go stand in park areas to try and, like, attract the serial killer, which I think is kind of interesting. Wouldn't she go to people's houses directly, though? Yes. Because, okay. They don't. They're they don't trying know. everything. I'm sorry. Um, Would you ever do that? Like, when police use women or, you know, kind of the victim profile? I don't like, know. Because I've watched walk so many criminal shows where shit goes horribly wrong and the police lose the person and then she gets like abused and then they but they save her in the end but i'm like but she's scarred for life i don't want to go through all that so i don't know it depends it depends on like the situation and like what kind of danger i would be in yeah like if you lose me am i gonna end up dead or am i just gonna end up like somewhere weird that they're gonna try and like sell me and you might be able to rescue me in time you know i like how you say that like that's the (laughs) okay your option is um so in a move that was heavily criticized um by the whole country uh police decided to announce that they were looking for a homosexual man and someone who may have been transgendered Way to blame the queer community. Um, and they ended up arresting 49 transvestite sex workers. I'm sorry. Is that the is that the Transgender. Term? Trans. Are they have both in there because they said transvestite or transgendered men. Transgender is the more is the appropriate term. Okay. Transvestite used to be very common, but it's yep. not considered okay. appropriate so anymore. They arrested 49 transgender um, sex workers. Who were all released when their prints didn't match those connected from the crime scenes. And when old ladies Shocker! kept dying. <laughs> um, the police also requested collaboration from the French police under the belief that the killer was similar to a homosexual killer that France had had, um, named Thierry Paulin, aka the monster of Montmartre. Unfortunately, it's a guy, so we will not be covering him. We don't care about him. He can I mean, go it's fuck interesting, himself. but I still don't, like, it's not about you, man. I thought they were going to make some, like, weird associations with, like, well, we think he's a homosexual, so he right. must be French. France, help us. Like, I thought that's where you were <laughs> no. going. Um, How can they make this even more homophobic? Exactly. So this super biased profiling caused a ton of outrage in the community. And, like, not even just the transgender community, but, like, the community at large, because I honestly, I think Mexico's actually always been just a little bit more understanding than the United States. Because this is in the early 2000s, right? This isn't 1960, uh, yeah, whatever. I think we're like at 2003, four at this point. Because earlier you said something about 2005, and I was kind of shocked by how recent oh, yeah, this was. Yeah, mid-2005, so we are in the 2005. Okay. I was wrong. Um, so obviously this caused a lot of outrage and brought the police absolutely no fun. <laughs> like, this probably caused them more trouble. Yeah. 
and over the next few years, Juana continued to kill um, perhaps up to 50 more women until the police finally caught a break. Shit. If you haven't figured it out, Juana's the killer. Well, I'm sorry. Excuse <laughs> Spoilers. me. Spoilers. I thought this was a story about how a poor abused woman swooped in and caught a serial killer. Because we're that's totally that, not spooky, covering yeah. crappy people here. In 2006, so no, we're in 2006, um, Juana strangled an 82-year-old woman with a stethoscope as she was leaving the scene. Strangling was like her thing. Okay, that was um, her MO. As she was leaving the scene, a woman who was renting a room in the victim's home returned and found the body. She immediately called the police, and with, with the help of that witness, the police were able to arrest Juana before she left the area. Good. Um, during questioning, Juana confessed to having strangled at least one woman, stating that she committed the crime out of a sense of anger at elderly women in general. I just... Th- they kind of get that goop in the corner of their mouth, and it just pisses me off. Right? They've always got mints in their purse. Fuck them for well, having an excess of mints. I'm sure you don't remember, because it was like four pages ago, but the first woman that she, she supposedly killed said something derogatory to her and that made her angry and killed her. So I like, you know, so kind of open the floodgates. Yeah. Like I could, cause it says get her, her hatred was, was most likely rooted in feelings toward her mother. Yeah. But um, then she was like, Oh shit, this was really easy. I love this. Right. According to Juana, she wasn't the only person behind the killings. And after being confronted by the press, Juana asked quote, with all due respect to the authorities, there are several of us involved in extortion and killing people, so why don't the police go after the others, too? End quote. You know what's crazy about that is that she's not entirely wrong. Like, there were people involved with extortion, and but they had nothing time to do ago. with the murder. That was before the 2000s. No, there's tons of extortion and killing going on. Right. Uh, one dude's doing the extortionating. A long time ago. And then I'm doing all the killing. Right. According to the police, uh, Juana acted alone. They matched her fingerprints to the fingerprints left behind at the scene, and that ruled out any other suspects. It doesn't seem like she needed any help. Right. I know, and it, it briefly mentioned that maybe her her boy, the Bean, was involved, but, like, it doesn't really seem like he was, because he, she started it before him. So the yeah. only thing that seemed to change is, like, the time of the killing, probably because she was spending time with him. <laughs> yeah, because he was probably driving his cab at night doing his thing. And she's like, okay, babe, right. have a good time at work. I'm going to go murder some people. Right. What was that? Nothing, nothing. Um, she also did like to keep, they, they called it, called her like a robbery and murderess, but she wouldn't like rob them, rob them. She would take like a memento. Trophies. Like, a lot of times like a religious keepsake, which is kind of creepy. That's fucked. And that's a common thing among serial killers. They like to keep a trophy. Something. Yep. And then remember There's, it and relive it. I don't know if this is based off a real serial killer, but one of the earlier, like, Criminal Minds serial killers, what he would do is he'd take a trophy from each victim and he'd leave that trophy with his next victim. So it was kind of a way of being like, yep, this is me. Gross. I really, hate that. But, like, so, like, he would he took, like, someone's, po- like, pocket watch and then he took, like, the next guy's glasses. It was, I, I found it fascinating, but I'm like, oh, that's, mm. Yeah, but I, that's because I'm a normal person. I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually happened. That oh, seems like a I, a lot of um. Actually, I think most Criminal Minds episodes are based on real crime killers. Yep. Um, with the evidence collect they collected, police char- were able to charge Juana with 16 different murders, but she is believed to have killed up to 49 people. I mean, yeah. Um, though Juana continued to claim that she had only been responsible for one of the killings, she was convicted and sentenced to 759 years in prison. Good. Yeah. Fucking good. So, it took them long enough so to catch her. 
a semi-long, roughish timeline. Sorry, but I, th- I think it's kind of interesting to kind of see how she evolved. Yeah. So 1995 to 2001 is when she did just her robberies, um, unnamed victims. Uh, November 25th, she killed her first person, Maria de la Gonzalez. Six, she was 64. She was beaten and manually strangled. Oh. In 2003, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just skip ahead. How many people did she kill? One, two. It's a really 2000- depressing number of clicks. <laughs> In 2003, it looks like she killed seven people. Um, most, not not most of them. They were all strangled with a, like um, a stethoscope or something. Um, one, a few say manually strangled. Um, one was one had her arm fractured. She was tied up and fatally strangled. One was oh. strangled with a stethoscope. One was strangled with a cord. Uh, two were strangled with some type of ligature, which usually means they can't really determine exactly what it was. But some people think maybe it was like a pair of pantyhose or just like a a weapon of opportunity that she used to strangle. Well, them. and strangulation is angry. It's, it's very personal, and it's too. very intimate. And you know, it also depends on how you strangle them. Because if you strangle them like in just the way you can like look into their eyes, but if you strangle them from them behind, but it's very personal because it you're takes up so close. long. And it takes a lot of strength, too. Yeah, you I mean, have not to against fucking ladies, want that but. person dead. So, 2003, they think she killed seven people. 2004, 14? 14 people? Again, all strangled. And this is kind of where they noticed she started, like, beating them first. So, like, she She's kind of evolved. Yeah, she started beating and, and strangling them. Again, some manual, some with a cord. One of them was even, like, strangled with two cords just to be extra safe. There was another stethoscope in there. So, you know. Um, And then in 2005, 14. So 14, actually 15, 16, because some of them were double murders. Because she's escalating. So she's killing more frequently. Yep. So 2005, there's 14. And then um, January 2006 was the one that she finally got caught. Jesus. And so, like they can't technically attribute all of these to her. Like like they said they only attributed they only could 100% say 16, but she was only convicted of 16 exactly, of them. Exactly, but they're just because like almost all of these people were strangled in some way. They're like it was more than likely her. One of them was actually set on fire, which Oh my god. Yep. Can she you was, imagine? She was strangled with a bandana and then set on fire. Can you imagine there's like someone who really hates their mother-in-law and they're just like, you know, there's all these killings going on. They've said there's a serial killer. This might be a really good opportunity for me to f- speed up that inheritance. Right. Um, so all of the women that Wana strangled. Murdered. Or, or bludgeoned, murdered. Um, were over age 60 and most lived alone. Yeah. Um, Bernardo Batiz, the chief prosecutor in Mexico City at the time, initially profiled the killer as, quote, having a brilliant mind, being quite clever and careful, um, and suggested the killer probably struck after gaining friendship or trust with the victim. Well, she probably went to the like, hey there, my name's so-and-so, I'm here with the government, I'm just doing a little welfare check, you know, I can give you a checkup, it's totally free, don't worry about it. Right. Exactly. It was just and she's like, probably yeah. in like a nurse's outfit or uniform or something. And I, you, you know, it's like you see these scams today, even like the digital scams, like the emails and the phone calls right. where it's like, I need access to your computer. I'm from Charter. There's actually oh. one going around right now in our city that's uh, people claiming to be the police. Gross. And saying that like your cards have been compromised or, you know, all this other stuff. One of them was like, 
you need to pay tickets in gift cards. I'm like, I'm sorry, but if anybody believes that, they're fucking stupid. But the thing no is... They prey on people that aren't going to know. Yeah, because I'm just... I'm terrified of the kinds of scams that when we get older, that people that will fall oh, yeah, for exactly. or that'll seem reasonable to us. Because I've known a bunch of um, elderly people where they, they get a know call. Any better. They get a call from their like internet provider. Hey, we noticed there's a problem. We need access to your computer. Do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and then they just steal their information. I had an elderly neighbor who we had to like talk to her and be like, "No, don't, never do that." Like she was able to shut it down, but yeah. She just didn't know better. Um, okay, so. And there's that level of trust. You don't think someone, like, they sound official. They're not oh, going to yeah, mess exactly. with you. Like, they have their routine down. Yeah. So, since sentences imposed in Mexico Mexican courts are generally served concurrently, um, and the maximum sentence under Mexican law is 60 years, she will probably actually most likely serve the full sentence in prison. Like, she's not, she's not going to get out on bail. Because she's already older i don't remember exactly how old she was but even if she only got 60 years she's probably gonna die in jail yeah so she's gonna get out in like 2067 eight okay she'll be dead Um, hopefully she has been i don't really have like you did a nice like legacy on like the other victims but like people knew who her victims were yeah I guess her the only legacy I have is that she's been on a lot of like she's been portrayed in a lot of TV shows. I mean, we, which is kind of weird, but like she so she was um, done on a Mexican one called uh, Mujer Quesos de la Vida Real, which I think is um, like real the female lady, murderers yeah. or something, which was in the early two thousands. Which is interesting because she was killing in the early two thousands. So I'm guessing what they mean by the early two thousands is like. Oh, brought to television on an episode in 2010. Okay. Okay. I was like, eh, I'm pretty sure they mean late 2000s. We havenven't even hit the late 2000s. Uh, exactly, 2090-something right? is going to be. Exactly. Um, she was also highlighted in a documentary called Instantino e Sinino, which I don't know what that means. But the episode was literally called La Mata Vijites, which means little old lady killer. God. Which is great. Okay, can I just say, I'm sure she killed women who were more mature than 60. If someone's calling oh, yeah. me a little old lady at 60, there will be hell to uh, pay. 92. 92 might be her oldest. God, that, you get to live, to to be in your 90s, and that's how you get taken out? That's how you die? And there were two of them that were 92, but that, that seems to be her oldest. That fucking sucks. Oh, I'd be i'd be i would become a ghost because i would be so mad like i've survived wars and plagues and starvation and this is how i go out some bitch who used to wrestle in a mask fuck her right um in september 2015 uh juana was highlighted in the investigation discovery series which investigation discovery is like the only reason i miss cable because i love that show so fucking much actually not show channel it's Um, good it's everything my 10 year old self needed and never got right i watched it a lot like in high school and stuff (laughs) it's so investigation discovery is a lot about like True crime and stuff. It's great. Yeah. Um. So she was on their Deadly Women series in an episode called Payback. Um. Machismo, the nineteenth episode of the first season of Criminal Minds, is also partially based on her. And that's it. God. I mean, she did get seven hundred and fifty-nine years in prison. But she's only going to serve sixty. 
See, I didn't understand that because she said says since sentences imposed in the Mexican courts are generally served concurrently, but the maximum sentence under Mexican law is sixty years. So does that mean you will only ever serve sixty years in Mexico? See, I thought, or does that mean for each individual count? You can only serve 60 years. What is concurrent one after one another? One after the other. You don't oh. get any time in between. Well, then, yeah, she's never, she's going to be there for a hundred and some years. So right? Well, she's probably for each count gets 60 years. See, and that's, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, does it, does, cause I'm, I'm guessing if someone killed someone when they were 18 and it was bad enough that they're going to give them a life sentence, they're not just going to be like, mm, you hit 60 years. See ya. Have fun, 70 year old man. 78. 78-year-old man who so, is a murderer and also way, has no social skills. She was an adult yeah. by that time. I'm guessing... What year was she born? I don't even know if I said. 1957, and she was condemned in 2008. God, that was so recent. So, I mean, she would have been just under 50 years old. So even if she only served 60 years, there's no way she was, there's no way in prison you're going to live to be 110. God, I hope. So yeah, that was my depressing after an already depressing episode. So I love how for our last episode, you started out with a woman who wasn't really a criminal, but the story was just sad. And then I ended with a serial killer. And then this week. I started with a woman who woman who wasn't really a criminal and the story was just sad. And you ended with a serial killer. I'm doing a serial killer next week, too. Since we now have IUDs and have become womb cousins, we Thank are more in sync than that ever. With the world. I can cut that out if you want. No, it's fine. But we are more in sync than ever, I, know. I think. <laughs> are you also covering a serial killer? No, I was going to, but I was like, Emily's it's too like, much no, of a bummer. It's too much. And I'm like, let's do Okay. So I'll tell you the story I told Emily, even though I was going to save it for next week. I was going to do a women, a woman arsonist. But when I like tried to Google women arsonist, the only thing that showed up for like the first page of Google was like the psychology behind a female arsonist, because it is so incredibly rare for there to be a female arsonist. And none of them like named any of the arsonists because I like kind of read through some of them. So I had to go with someone that is a murderer and an arsonist like Belganess. That's it's right. not Belganess. That's right. She was an arsonist. Her, you know, mysterious burning houses and barns. Yeah. And stuff. Anyways, we should probably get going because I know the boys are waiting for the studio. All right. Well, super quick. Uh, Kelly, what are you thankful for? Because this episode sucked. I am <laughs> thankful for this episode, though, because my week sucked and this has been a lot of fun. At least you're not getting murdered by a pretend nurse. Yeah. You're always having a better time or than typhoid. that. Or typhoid. Or you don't have typhoid. But you, you know. could! And you just don't know it. That's okay. You cooked meals that I ate for many years and I never got sick. So you you gave me smoothies. Why do you think I have a sign in my kitchen that says many have eaten here, but few have died? It means someone has died, Emily. Oh, fuck. Someone. I didn't. I don't know them. That is my favorite sign. And I really do have a sign that says that in my kitchen. So what I'm thankful for is kind of a bummer. Um... Someone in my family recently was hospitalized for kidney problems uh, and had a miscarriage, which sucks. It's awful. It's so sad. But she's doing okay. You know, this isn't the end. And I want to bring it up just because I'm thankful she's okay because she was, like, having severe kidney problems. Well, and from what you told me, like, she sounds like, I mean, she's devastated, but she sounds like 
positive about the future, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we went we went to visit her and, you know, I didn't bring it up. We were just kind of chatting and hanging out and, you know, she seemed to be doing as okay as could be expected. But this is something that we don't talk about and miscarriages are actually a lot more common than you think. And so if you've experienced a miscarriage or you've experienced several, you're not alone. There's so many people out there who know what you're going through. Don't be afraid to share that pain because there are people who will help you carry it. So I'm thankful she's okay. You know, they're definitely going to try again in the future, but I'm just thankful that she is doing all right. So sending much love to her. Here, we'll do another cheers to her. Another cheers, because she's a strong, amazing lady. I love her. That was like a really good one. That was a beautiful clip. Well, we hope you all have a wonderful week. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Email us at whiningabouthistory at gmail.com. Which is whiningabouthistory.com. Rate us five stars wherever you listen. It's super helpful. We are... Gonna start a Patreon page real soon. Woo-hoo. So send us your ideas for what you would like to see as Patreon exclusive content. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening to Whiny About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.